Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the 360 Experience. I am your host, Tim Brahim, and welcome to another episode of the show. Uh, today's guest um, is somebody who I'm really excited to spend some time with. Um, I'll tell the story once I have Gay Hendricks with me uh, about how I got acquainted with him so many years ago. But for the short version, Gay Hendricks is a psychologist. He is a, a personal development guru. Uh, he's an author of several uh, best-selling books, including The Big Leap, which is a legendary book for us in the Leadership 360 coaching uh, curriculum. Um, he's the author of The Genius Zone, which is another terrific book of his. Um, and he's been featured in such films as Finding Joe, uh, the documentary on the great legendary anthropologist Joseph Campbell. Uh, I'm really looking forward to diving in deeply with Gay on the subject matter of personal development, limiting belief patterns, and how to really find your unique gifts and cultivate them and leverage them in your life. Um, as always, please make sure that you subscribe to this show so you can uh, receive notifications of future broadcasts that we have. You can find us on both Spotify, uh, YouTube, and on Apple podcasts. And without further ado, I welcome to the show no one other than Gay Hendricks. Well, hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to the 360 Experience. And Gay Hendricks, it's so, so nice to have you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with me today. Thanks a lot, Tim. I'm really happy to be here with you. So I'm going to take the listener for just a quick moment back through my memory lane as it relates to Gay Hendricks. So back in uh, about 2000, I was uh, really starting to do a lot of business, a lot of loan business up in the Ojai Valley. And for those of you that aren't familiar, it's about an hour and 15 minutes north of Los Angeles, a beautiful community. And I did this loan for Gay and Catherine Hendricks, uh, but I worked through their business manager, never had the pleasure of meeting them. But I remember the name and, you know, vividly, and, and it was a very, very enjoyable transaction. And fast forward like a decade later, and I'm sitting in the classroom getting my master's degree uh, in, in uh, spiritual psychology at the University of Santa Monica. And uh, we got assigned an amazing book, which was called Conscious Loving. And wow, like to this day, that's my favorite relationship book that I've ever read. You and your wife did such an amazing job with it. And, uh, and I was just like, wow, this is the same couple. That's so interestingly synchronistic. And then like five years later, I start my, my coaching company and, and one of my colleagues was going through the conscious leadership course with, uh, Diana Chapman, I believe it was. And, and then they introduced me to this book called the big leap written by Gay <laughs> Hendricks. And I'm like, this guy's following me. Like this guy's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so thank you. And I, it's such an honor to have you. I want to dive right in. Cause I know our time is limited. Um, I want to talk about upper limit beliefs. They are uh, a central part of your book, the big leap. Um, and to me, like, this is like critical stuff. I mean, we all have upper limit beliefs, um, and they affect the way we experience life. So just give us in your words, okay, what is an upper limit belief and why is it important for, for us to really understand what, what they are in our consciousness? Yeah, a belief is a central operating system message that says what's available to you. And if you have a limiting belief that says, I don't deserve love, for example, which is a very common one people have, you can see how that limiting belief would make you create one unsatisfactory relationship after another. And you might even then blame it 
on the other people, not realizing that you're broadcasting a message that says, I don't deserve love. Same thing with uh, financial things. A lot of people walk around with limiting beliefs like, uh, I've always got to be in debt, or I can't ever have what I want, or, you know, limiting beliefs that affect their money transactions. And most of these things, Tim, are unconscious, you know, that we get them installed at an earlier age before we even learn to think for ourselves. And so, in fact, that's one of the ways that Katie and I, uh, we we call Kathleen Katie around the house, my wife. Uh, we're just celebrating our 43rd wedding anniversary, by the way. So, uh, Congratulations. yeah, we're about to head off to Maui and do a little bit of celebrating. Um, and so Katie and I, when we first got together, we didn't have any money to speak of. I think Katie had about $300 and I was actually in debt at the time and had just had my American Express card repossessed. And so I uh, was, uh, you know, I made my living at the time as a teacher, professor, workshop leader and things like that. And so I'd been in Europe for six weeks and uh, I mean, six months and uh, basically forgot to make payments on a bunch of things. Anyway, I was a mess when I came back financially. And so one day, though, I had this realization that this conversation was going on in my head. And the conversation was, do we have enough money to get through to the end of the month? And I realized, my goodness, that's the same conversation I heard around me all the time growing up. Could I have just now recreated that in a whole new generation? And am I now acting out of that program? And so I told Katie about it, and that was a huge moment because I had this limiting belief of how life had to be with regard to money. I always had to be a dollar short and a day late or whatever that old saying is. And so that was a turning point moment for us where we suddenly sat down and took responsibility for how we wanted to create our lives money-wise. So. I'm going to just jump to the next question right there, but just to keep this flow going. So you've identified the limiting belief. How do you work with it from that point forward to create some behavioral change? And then I'll probably want to regress a minute in, in a second, maybe give another example to the audience, but let's just go straight there. What did you do once you uncovered that to evoke behavioral change? The best thing you can do when you see and disrupt an old limiting belief like that is figure out how you want it to be instead of that limiting belief. In other words, insert a better belief system in there about what's possible. Like what Katie and I did, I remember this vividly. I remember I was on my exercise bike when I had this realization, that realization about, wow, this conversation about do we have enough money? That's exactly what I used to hear people yelling and screaming around about the house uh, when I was a little kid. And so I ran in and talked to Katie about it. And I said what I I, I just told you that uh, I had seen this pattern. And I said, what if we could just make up a whole new way we wanted it to be and then our, let our lives live into that? And she lit up because we'd only been together maybe, I guess, six months or something like that, or maybe a year at the time. And, you know, we were still having financial str struggles. And so we actually sat down 
and we created a new belief about how we wanted things to be. You might call it an affirmation. And the idea was we always have plenty of money to do everything we really want to do. Mm. That became our mantra. See, that's a better belief than, oh my God, do we have money enough to get through to the end of the month? <laughs> you know, yeah. that's a much better <laughs> way of thinking because then life becomes about possibility. You're not trying to avoid something. You're not trying to escape something. You're building something in the presence. And one thing I found in life, Tim, it's incredibly important to have a good why underneath what you're doing. You know, that um, I, I remember hearing a story once from Steve Covey, uh, the late Steve Covey, Covey um, that uh, a, a traveler came across, uh, was traveling in the Middle Ages and came up to a place on horseback where he could see a long string uh, of laborers taking big boulders from the river and carrying up to the top of a hill. And he couldn't see what was going on at the top of the hill, but he saw one laborer after another walking up with these big boulders. And some of them had a smile on their face and some of them had a groan and a frown on their face. And he asked one of the people with carrying uh, one of the rocks with a frown saying, what are you doing? And he said, can't you see I'm carrying a rock up a hill? And then he asked one of the people who was smiling and says, what are you doing? And he said, we're building a cathedral on top of that hill. You know, there was a why underneath his effort. And the other guy, the why, <laughs> you know, was missing there. And so in life, I think we get what we're really committed to getting. Unfortunately, a lot of people operate out of their old unconscious commitments, like an unconscious commitment to stay poor, like my parents, or an unconscious commitment to uh, lose all my money and not have any of it stick to me. And so there's all sorts of strange ways we can be about money and the good things of life. But it starts with getting an idea of what you want and what you're committed to. And so once we made that commitment, it didn't take us long at all. Uh, you know, money almost seemed to come out of nowhere. Like uh, Katie and I, after we made that commitment, a man came to one of our little seminars that had like six or eight people in it. And uh, he turned out to be a, a general or a colonel in the army who was in charge of all their drug and alcohol treatment programs. And so he really... Uh, oh, I know what it was. We were speaking to a little group at an addictions conference, and he came to that little uh, group meeting of about six or eight people. And so then uh, out of nowhere, about six weeks later, we get a letter from the U.S. Army that said, you know, basically, we would like you to do the following seminars uh, for the uh, drug and alcohol treatment counselors on this date, this date, this date sign here, you know, and but it was for more money at one time that we had ever had since we'd gotten together. And so we couldn't help but notice the relationship between changing our mantra, so to speak, and to a positive one, and then having that amazing, unexpected thing happen. 
It's interesting. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm connecting the dots on this beautiful example that you've provided to, you know, some of the other stuff that I've studied that's out there in terms of anything from manifestation to the synchronization of energy in the universe and the law of attraction, all of these different types of things. Dr. Joe Dispenza is somebody who I'm a big fan of, who is very much in the family of, of this teaching. And what I've heard you say, just taking the listener one more time through a brief summary, is first is identifying the, the subconscious thought pattern that's driving your behaviors and emitting the energy based upon those beliefs, emitting the energy out there, and you're going to attract whatever it is that you're putting out, right? So first identifying it, then reframing it into a, a new story. You know, there's a there's a bumper sticker from University of Santa Monica that I used to have hanging in my kitchen that says, you don't have to believe everything that you think, you know? And to me, it's just like, that just summarizes it right there. So like if you're, or another one, you're foolish to not win in your own fantasies. Okay, so if you're making up a story, why not make up a better story? And then from there, what I'm hearing is that you're emitting a different energy. You're putting out a, a, a different message into the field of possibility, if you will. And the result of that is the universe, God, whatever you want to label it, is meeting you right there and saying, okay, great. Now, here's what the new you gets in the equation. Um, what, what do you say to, because there's, there's people that are going to be listening, Gay, like I'm, I don't need to be sold on this. I've, I've had plenty of these types of mystical experiences as well that are tied into beliefs. But what do you say to the person like, say, Oh, that's just, you know, you just, you don't get what you think, you know, like you, I, I, I've, I've had other thoughts, you know, positive thoughts and I never get anywhere with these positive affirmations and all that kind of stuff. What, what would you say to that person? Well, <clears throat> if they are in a good mood and I'm in a good mood, <laughs> I'd say, Hey, if you keep arguing for your limitations, you get to keep them. Oh, uh, I love because, that. I love that. I mean, it's really true, isn't it, that people keep proclaiming their limitations over and over again. Uh, in fact, Ron Holnick uh, from uh, University of Santa Monica, Ron and Mary, uh, dear friends of ours, Katie and mine, he had a cartoon once. I wish I could get a copy if you if you see him, ask him to send it to me. But uh, there were these three uh, homeless guys making signs about, you know, please give me money. Uh, but one one of the signs the guy was making said something like, I'm here because of society put me here. And the other the next guy had a sign that says, you know, I'm a victim of alcoholism and racism. And the third guy was writing a sign that says, I got here through a succession of poor choices. And uh, <laughs> One of the other guys is saying, you're not going to make a nickel with that sign, son, uh, you know, because taking responsibility for something is a very rare thing in our world, in our society, because every day you hear people arguing about who's the bigger victim. You know, like one political party says, you're doing it to us. And the other says, no, you're doing it to us. And they go around and nothing ever gets done for us here at home. And so um, it's a key thing in life. In fact, um, I've had many couples here for, for relationship counseling get mad at me when I broached the following idea to them. And then they come back six months later and tell me it saved their marriage. So it's a kind of a magic key in relationships. And here it is. 
all arguments between couples are a race to occupy the victim position. One person says, you're doing it to me. You know, if it weren't for you, I'd be a lot happier. And the other person says, hey, wait a minute. You're the one that's doing it to me. And pretty soon they're off and running. And I know I've been there, but there's only one cure for that. There's only one way out of the trap. And this is what people get mad at me for. I say the only way out is for you to take each take personal 100% responsibility for for creating this situation. You know, people get freaked at that moment and say, well, wait a minute. Are you saying it's not his fault? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm saying... Here's an opportunity to get out of the fault game, to get out of the blame game once and for all. And there's a huge payoff for it, Tim. The payoff for getting out of the victim game and taking responsibility for your life is that's where creativity comes from. That's how nature works. If we cooperate with what's going on in us and bring it forth, we get to be in direct contact with the creative force of nature. But if we go around saying, oh, I don't deserve this, I can't, I can't do this, you know, kind of bent over in service to our old limitations, that's contrary to nature because energy is can't be destroyed or created. It's here to stay and it's how we channel our energy that's the key thing, whether we channel it in a free, clear way to serve our deepest wants and needs, or do we bottle it up and contain it and, you know, uh, try to squish it down in ourselves? Like I have uh, six or eight beautiful, ancient, 300-year-old oak trees on my property. I'm just looking out the window at one now. And it's the time of the year when they drop their acorns. That's the way nature has it designed. And you don't hear an oak tree going, oh, no, I'm losing my acorns again. Or what am I going to do without my acorns? Because it's participating in the flow of nature. And nature wants us to expand all the time and get free of our old limitations. The universe is in constant expansion. And if if we will give ourselves a little permission to expand with it rather than resisting it, all sorts of magical things begin to happen in our lives. Wow. That was really beautiful. Thank you. Um, such a inspiring information right now. You know, like the industry that I teach in is the mortgage industry. It's tough right now. I mean, rates at the time we're recording this have gone way, way up. A lot of people that are steeped in negativity. One of the reframes that I gave this group this morning that I was coaching was a group of about a hundred people. So I was like, you know, we could, we could be focused on the fact that it's tough right now. Now we're stuck in that positionality and that victim mindset, very closed, not expansive. I think most would agree both energetically and, and in a lot of other ways, or we could take a different approach, which is, you know, I'm figuring it out right now. Like I'm really figuring out how to be a really good business person. Um, and I'm curious, right? Isn't curiosity. Tell me about curiosity. It seems like, it seems like victim and curiosity are opposing forces in some way, right? Like, could you share a little bit about that? Yes. Well, genuine curiosity is a sacred element of human beings. 
And around here, we call it wonder, cultivating a wonder mindset rather than I think I know it all mindset. Just the constant state of wonder, because that's another front door to the creativity in the universe. Because the moment you begin to wonder about something, you come out of the zone of the known, what you know about a particular thing. But a moment of wonder, hmm, what about this? You know, like I remember a colleague of mine, a psychiatrist friend of mine that had never been able to make a relationship work. And he was up in his 30s, getting toward 40, and he's getting a little panicky. And I remember, though, that this one moment of wonder changed everything for him. Instead of despairing, he just for a moment said, hmm, what needs to happen in my life for me to get the love I want and need? And just that moment of humble wonder, getting out of despair, getting out of anxiety into wonder, hmm, what needs to happen here? It was a singular 10-second moment for him, and it changed everything. Six months later, meets a fabulous woman. He's still married to her. Um, I, I talked to him actually last year, and you know, because I knew them when they were first together. And here they are years later, and it came from that one moment of wonder that I was privileged to be part of. Yeah, the privilege to be part of part is really beautiful, too, because it is so elegant to witness someone getting free, isn't it? Like, I mean, to oh. me, it's like one of the greatest that brings me to tears. You know, I go to, I go to Esalen a lot. I'm sure you've, you're familiar with Esalen. And, and, you know, we've the, taught there many times. Yes. Oh, wow. That. I, I missed it. I would have loved to have seen one of your workshops there in one of the yurts or something. It would have been great. I, uh, I think the thing that's so amazing about Esalen when I'm there is I just get to be a spectator to people getting free. And to me, it is just gorgeous, you know? Um, so the person, let's regress for a second back to the person who's in victim. One of the things that, do you have any other wisdom for somebody? Like if somebody could be self-aware enough and listening to this conversation and say, you know what, that is me. Like I'm in positionality. I'm, I'm in a victim mindset quite a bit. I'm closed. I'm constricted. Um, and they want to get out of it, but it's, it's like, it could be really deeply rooted, right? Because it's how they get love. It's how they get attention. All these things. What, you know, I know you can't answer it in five minutes, but what, what wisdom or advice would you give to that person to help them? Well, it all starts with creating one positive thought about the very thing that you haven't been creating positive thoughts about. So if you come out, if you have a limiting belief, like I can't ever have a satisfying amount of money in my life, or you come out of a limiting belief like I don't deserve love. And so you create relationships that are troubled all the time where you don't get the love you want and need. But the moment you wake up out of that, all you need to do is insert one positive beam of energy into the place that's been closed down. Like I created my new body 50 some years ago. Um, I weigh 180 pounds. I'm about six feet tall. So I look athletic if you saw me walking down the street. Um, but believe it or not, I weighed more than 300 pounds. 
50 some years ago when I was in my 20s. And one positive thought took that hundred and some pounds off of me. I mean, I had to do other things to follow it, but I had this one thought one day. I, I had an experience where I felt inside what I call pure consciousness, that background, steady state, always on 24-7 consciousness that's given to us as human beings. And I realized I never had really felt that before because I was so clouded up with all the things I was sad about or angry about or scared about that I hadn't <clears throat> I hadn't felt my way through all of those emotions to the place where I could actually feel that pure consciousness all the time. And so that moment changed everything because I created this one little thought. The thought was, I commit to feeling that pure consciousness in every moment of my life. And from that moment on, everything started changing. I started eating a different way. I started, for a year, I ate foods that fed that pure consciousness instead of fed my old fat body. And the first month, I lost 35 pounds. And that's where the upper limit problem came in, Tim, that I wrote about many years later. My first upper limit, I didn't even have a word for it at the time, but after a month of pure eating fruits and vegetables and drinking water, which I never really drank up until then, drinking a lot of water, staying hydrated. I, I've lost all this weight and I was feeling blissful. And I was walking down the street in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I looked to my left and there was a family of four in an ice cream shop eating this gigantic ice cream creation. And I went in and I ordered one. And for 20 minutes, I was high as a kite from the sugar. But after that, I got the worst stomachache of my life. And I was literally doubled over in the street and on the sidewalk. And upper limit, I didn't have a word for it, but I knew I had sabotaged my good feeling. I knew I'd gone unconscious and fallen into my old program. And that was a wake up moment because the next time, I did it, I did it less. And the next time I did it, I did it less. So eventually I stopped sabotaging myself. Years later, I came up with this idea of calling it the upper limit problem because I realized that everybody has it. You know, it's not just me that had it. Most of us have some kind of a way we sabotage ourselves when things start going better. And that's what I started calling in the big leap, the upper limit problem. Why do you think people, what's the reasoning that people get? Like, I see this gay in business a lot with people who get to, you know, 95, they're on the five yard line, you know, I mean, they're five yards away from crossing into the end zone where their goal is set to be. And then they just start sabotaging. Like, and, and what, what do you think the reasons are that everybody has this aspect of their, their personality? It's all based on fear and old programming. Like, for example, you would, I just read a thing about Brad Pitt yesterday where he was talking about his marriage of being like 17 years of hell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a strong program. And so, how does a guy who's the best looking human being ever in the world <laughs> and 
he, you know, he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. <clears throat> Where does he get the idea of, I think I'll create misery for myself for the next 17 years through a relationship? Where does that idea even come from? Well, it has to come from some ancient place in him because it's certainly not co coming from the real-time circumstances of his life. So in his particular case, somewhere a long time ago, he developed an old fear about, I'm fundamentally flawed. I don't deserve to have the good things of life. I promise you, if we hypnotized Brad today or engaged him in a conversation, we'd find him saying yes to that very quickly. And because I know I've worked with a thousand other folks like that, and, uh, and living near LA, I work a lot with entertainment people who come up to Ojai. And so, you know, I had another guy who was, this is an even better story, Tim, because I had a guy come over to my house who was sort of a neighbor of mine when we had our place over at the beach. And um, he called me up and he said he was having a panic attack. And so I invited him to come over. And so we were standing out on my balcony and it turned out, I mean, he was having a panic attack. You know, I could basically barely hold him down and he was bouncing all over the place. And the reason for the panic attack was he was going to go down to Hollywood the next day and have his handprints put in the famous Walk of Fame there. And it induced a panic attack based on this old fear that we uncovered while we were standing there of, I feel fundamentally flawed. Now I'm going to get my handprints next to whoever it was, John Wayne or somebody, and I'm there forever. And if they only knew me, they wouldn't even let me in the city limits. You know? And so you never know at any level of the game, you're going to have some kind of an upper limit problem come up. Well, hello, friends, and I hope that you're enjoying this episode of the 360 Experience podcast. To listen to the remainder of this episode, please visit us at The Loan Atlas where you will also find the most comprehensive resource for mortgage professionals to build their practice, backed by the greatest faculty that's ever been assembled in the mortgage industry. Check us out at the link below or go to theloanatlas.com. Look forward to having you as a guest on our next episode of the 360 Experience Podcast.